and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. My name is Peggy Ployer, and I'm the host of this weekly broadcast put on by Sped Homeschool, as well as the founder and CEO. We at Sped Homeschool empower families to home educate children with learning challenges, and I encourage you to check out our website at spedhomeschool.com to learn more about the resources and support that we offer families. Some of the best resources that we have on our website are the services offered by our partners who help fund our work, like Right Shop, who is sponsoring this broadcast. We'll hear more about the product that they offer families of struggling learners about halfway through our show. But if you're interested in checking them out ahead of time, you can head over to writeshop.com. And each month, our broadcast and our blogs focus around a central topic. And this month, we're focusing on helping your child learn at their own pace. And sometimes that's learning on our end <laughs> and going at their own pace. And sometimes it's helping learning on their end go at a, at a different pace. So tonight specifically, um, we're going to be talking about um, just how to use challenges and creativity to increase student success. And my guest tonight is Travis Lish. Welcome, Travis, and thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you. Uh, I'm so excited to be here, Peggy. It's great, great to be on the show. Yeah, I, I'm excited for what you have to share. We, we were talking last week a bit about creativity, and um, but we didn't bring into this challenging part of it. And, um, and so I'm excited to hear what you have to share because I... I know that we can get extremely creative or creative blocked, and I know you have some information to share with us on that as well. So let's um, let's just have you introduce yourself to our our viewers, since I didn't have your bio, and I would love to know a little bit more of your background, and I'm sure they would too, to just come um, kick us off, and then tell us a little bit as, and I'm sure you'll include this in your story as to why are you passionate about this topic. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Okay, mm -hmm. so about seven years ago, um, there I was in in university, and I was studying psychology, and I was in my last year, and I had this moment where, uh, to rewind a little bit further, uh, I had a best friend in grade school, and uh, at a certain point, we were fourth graders, and he moved away, oh. and I know it was heartbreaking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And he moved away uh, and he only moved away for two years and then he moved back. And when he moved back, I was expecting to get my friend back and I was so excited. But in those two years that he spent away, he got involved with a long, wrong group of friends and made some oh, wow. uh, poor choices uh, that have essentially curbed his life hmm. uh, in a very big way. And so I had this moment uh, seven years ago where I was 24 and I was about to finish college and I was so thrilled uh, all the different parts of my life. Honestly, I was just, I was just a happy guy, you know? That's and awesome. Because a lot of times <laughs> this is like the anxiety producing moment for most students. <laughs> it's like, now I've got to get a job. <laughs> yeah, And that was also me, but I guess there's so much like hope and, and opportunity ahead of me. And this friend of mine at the same time, he had been in and out of corrections facilities for a decade. Wow. And he had, had had more than one open heart surgery uh, mm -hmm. due to drugs and overdosing and and it, it blew my mind and it tore my heart out that decisions yeah. of a 13-year-old could curb an entire life. And, mm. and so I set out, seriously, I set out on this quest. And for me, it was a really a spiritual um, quest to try and figure out what can I do for young people that can mm. help them find purpose and find meaning and find value in their lives. And uh, and not necessarily just, you know, for the kids like my friend who are really derailing, but mm -hmm. even for kids like me who, I mean, I went to a lot of school before I realized what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a journey. And, and so I really started to question that. And, and I got involved uh, with nonprofit organizations and started working with kids and helping them learn how to start businesses. And, and then I got involved with an Acton model school. And so in a private school setting and doing some alternative learning and some really self uh, directed learning type mm -hmm. stuff. And, and most recently, I sit on a board at a charter school. And, and so kind of dipping my toes into that realm and, right. and trying to figure out how do we help kids in this in this way. And, and over that the course of that time, I've really learned and come to cling tightly to this idea of creation and creativity, that, mm -hmm. that a, a deep sense of meaning comes to us when we create value, not just for ourselves, but for other people. Yeah, right. And so that so is equally mm -hmm. true for adults as it is uh, for young people. Mm -hmm. And so that's why for the past seven years, I have 
uh, I, I launched what is called the Startup Academy. Yeah. And so yeah. we work with young people uh, in a myriad of ways, uh, but the the baseline is helping kids fall in love with creativity and creation. And as they grow older, we help them learn how to create so much value for people that uh, people will give them money for the things that they've created. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. To um, to give them a, a greater purpose instead yeah. of just this is this is the you know. And I think everybody everybody can get stuck in that rut. Is that well? This is what I do next, and this is what I do next, and it's like we take these steps to death, <laughs> and yeah. and that's not how living's supposed to be. And yet we are role modeling it for our children. And then our children are surrounded in a world that this is their message. And so I love that you have this this countercultural message to share with um, us as parents and to to help share with our children. Because, you know, I I said to someone last week, you know, our kids that struggle with with um, with academics, it isn't that they aren't smart and it isn't that. they can't do things. It's just the school has so narrowly focused what they are judged on and they yeah. think they can't do good because they don't do good at these few things. And yet yeah. give them the opportunities like you're talking about and they will flourish. I couldn't agree more. And and Peggy, sometimes I, I get like really emotionally, like <laughs> I get animated about this topic because I, I think it's in some ways criminal to... Yeah to diagnose somebody and tell them that they're a failure, to tell them that they're not good enough based on a letter that they got on a bubble scantron. You know, it's like, right. it mm-hmm. is, it's near criminal, especially especially with the uh, diverse range of things that kids are going through. Yeah. So especially mm-hmm. in a community where, uh, whether it's uh, ADD or different, uh, different challenges that individuals are going through, mm-hmm. um, I mean, sometimes we're asking fish to know how to climb trees. Right. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. And and so exactly like you said, for those kids to then feel like a failure because they're getting asked to do something that's out, it's just strange or unusual to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I, I sometimes think it's pretty criminal for us yeah. to do that to kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's where we get to the point where we've we finished all the stuff in school and then we give children all these choices, you know, as they become adults and say, well, what do you want to do with yourself? Well, <laughs> they've not programmed any part of their lives up until that point and they have no idea for a reason because we haven't given that them the opportunity to figure out what they're good at. Absolutely. And, and isn't it interesting, right, that we... Uh, we put our children through a process of uh, sitting down and doing what they're told to do until they become adults. And so what most of us do is we look around and we say, okay, well, who's going to tell me what to do now? Yeah. And when, yeah. when people start giving bad instructions or there's no one there to give us instructions, we're completely lost. And that's mm-hmm. a terrifying mm-hmm. thing for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that is so true. Yeah. So I see we have viewers um, popping on. Welcome, those that you are, are with us live. Just know that wherever you're watching from, if you're on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, that you can put your comments down under in the feed and we will see those and we can incorporate them into our conversation. So we'd love to do that. And I see Karasu the Dreamer is already with us tonight. So welcome and um, we're, we're glad to have you commenting on YouTube. Um and so we're going to dive into some questions that I have for Travis, and um, and we we look forward to hear what what you guys have as far as questions and um, just whatever we're we're chatting about. But um, so let's since we're talking about creativity and learning, um, why is creativity so important in the education of a child? Yeah, absolutely. I so there's there's uh, scientifically when you break it down, there's two reasons that all individuals uh, learn. Uh, this is true for kids. It's true for adults. And the two reasons are one because we have to do it. It's a necessity. Mm-hmm. And so as an adult, this happens all the time at work. It also happens when your sink starts leaking and you watch the exactly. YouTube video. And it has uh-huh. you have to learn it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the other option is because it's fun and you enjoy it. Those are the only two reasons why anybody learns things. Where kids are unique yeah. is that they actually don't need anything. 
I mean, mm. adults, we know that they need things, but in their minds, like right. there, there are no necessities mm-hmm. for them. And so the only option that we have to help them learn is to give them an option of fun. Uh, and a lot of times yeah. this comes through the realm of creativity. And so when we introduce our kids to a creative learning method where we, whether we're gamifying and, and we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. that later, uh, but gamifying or, or giving them opportunities to, to find fun in their learning. And mm-hmm. a lot of times that's on us as the adults or the parents to yes. present it in a way to them mm-hmm. that it is fun. Um, that is why creativity is so crucial because if we're not creative and we try to pose it as a necessity, uh, mm-hmm. that's not going to make sense to a to a kid. <laughs> it's yeah. got to be the fun yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we, we talk about that a lot in our community because we tend to not have the kids that um, will just, you know, are happy to get a workbook and fill it out. There are children like that. <laughs> There's very few of them. Um, but yes. But it can move beyond just the child in education too. How, how does this affect the entire family as a unit? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. I, I have an experience that's one of my very favorites. So uh, I last year was working with a teenager and he was a young teenager. He was only 12. Okay. And he, was, he struggled with ADHD. And, and so uh, typical schooling just was not working, mm. right? Like he couldn't be at his desk and he kept getting in trouble. And so right. he started to pretend to be sick almost every day because he just oh, didn't want wow. to go to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that happens uh, around happen the country, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so after a couple of months and, and he was exposed to a new ideology of learning where he got to set the pace and, and he got mm-hmm. to have a lot more control over what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, a couple months after being in that new atmosphere, he, he went home and he was chatting with his dad about his learning and his progress. And, and his dad asked him, he said, hey, what does it feel like to be learning so much? And, mm-hmm. and this 12-year-old said, dad... It feels like I'm eating a rainbow. Oh, that's <laughs> <is> so cool! <laughs> it is like so cool, and it's so beautiful. And mm. and so for me, right? Like if you are working with kids, whether in jail or as an educator, mm-hmm. there's nothing better than to see them feel alive. Yeah, and and this can happen mm-hmm. both in the education setting, but also at home, right? If we yes. if we allow and invite our kids to create things in the home. And mm-hmm. to have responsibility and to have a semblance of ownership over the things yeah. that they're doing, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to improve our relationships with our kids, and it's also just going to improve, honestly, how happy they are and and how right. alive they are. And, and kids ought to be alive, and they ought to be happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that that ownership, and it, it it pushes them too at points. I've seen that with my own kids, but but then they they just take it upon themselves and they're like, well, yeah, I, I'm going to do this too. And, uh, it's amazing what they come up with. My yeah. we challenged my oldest son after he learned how to weld, we said, we'd like this really big fish, like seven foot long fish that you can weld to put on the front of our beach house. <laughs> and he came awesome. up with this design and yeah. And so, and so there, there was always like, it was the thing you saw when you drove up to this house. <laughs> that, that is fish. so awesome. <laughs> but, That's but yeah, very to, cool. To just use what they're, they're good at and say, well, you know, maybe I could buy it somewhere. And I, you know, I'm thinking the Christmas season too, we can yeah. buy a lot of decorations, but why don't you challenge your kids to, to see what they can come up with and, Absolutely. And, and as you're saying that, it, it just reminds me, one of my favorite things as, as we do invite our kids, I love your example so much of, of giving him that responsibility of, uh, to create something that would be seen by everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. he knows the weight of that. It's really cool. Yeah. And uh, one, one of my favorite quotes in, uh, regarding education is that when, when working with kids, we so often underestimate their capability. Mm-hmm but we overestimate their experience. And so Uh, what we do is we look at your son, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, and instead of being like, yeah, he's capable of doing this fish, Mm -hmm. we we doubt his capability to do that. When really his capability is, is through the roof, right? He can do that. When in reality, what we often do is we, uh, 
overestimate their experience. And so mm-hmm. this, this is when as adults, we are impatient with them and we, uh, sometimes we can even be kind of uh, rude about it, right? Where um, right. It's like when they come to us and ask questions, they, we have yeah. to be open to that and walking through the process with them. And exactly. I think when we give that ownership, we're just expecting like, you know, it would be like somebody on my team. I'm like, here's your, here's something I need done, you know, make sure it gets, it's finished. And I, I don't expect to have questions come back. I mean, if they do, I'm, I'm fine answering them, but right. um, not like my children need them. You're, you're exactly. so, so true. And about that. And yeah, it, I mean, these are little humans who have never had the experience of being in charge of anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. So we ought to really uh, evaluate what we're expecting from them as far as their mm-hmm. experience level, uh, right. but also acknowledge yeah. that they're capable of of so much more than we often give them credit. Yeah, and sometimes it's just breaking down the task for them because they see, you know, th- it almost looks too overwhelming. But if you can say, okay, this is the next thing you need to do to get to this step, because my daughter is writing an online curriculum right now; it's her senior project. And, and so I, I had her, her next step because she has to have all these lesson plans written before we start videotaping. And I said, why don't you just find a free template online for a lesson plan? See what works and then fill in that, that lesson plan over and over again for every project you have. And once she came up with this, she's like, oh, okay. And then, then she goes off and she fills everything in. I don't know how to do the sewing part, but I can tell her how to structure her next step. Absolutely. And, and so, but then that opens that door for more creativity and, and yeah. just bumps them to the next place to Absolutely. finish that, that job. And, and just the fact that even though there is still guidance there, there's so much autonomy in that mm-hmm. scenario for your daughter where uh, she can still choose to follow it exactly or to deviate and do her own mm-hmm. thing. Um, providing a guide while also not micromanaging is, is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Do. Um, one of our viewers and this, this is really sad, but this happens all the time. She said, I, I'm a really amazing artist, but I struggle with other subjects. I was removed from my art class. so I could focus on core subjects. Um, and yes. And unfortunately that's the way our education system is set up. So, um, and we, I, I was related to, you know, and unfortunately homeschoolers do this too. I, I don't want to just diss on the, the school system because I've seen homeschool parents drive their kids into the ground um, and say, you know, I've taken all the subjects away, but they still can't do this one thing. And, and I, and I, I kind of say, you know, it would be like me waking up and my husband saying, I've cleared the whole day for you. All you have to do is clean the house. And I'm like, I would go back to bed. <laughs> Because that is my least favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love that example. I, it is such a curious thing, right? That we we expect kids to be content and happy um, when they're being told what to do all day. Yeah. And that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I believe uh, her name was Karasu. Yeah, uh, that is it. Seriously, is heartbreaking. That mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, I love, I love your example, Peggy, but it, it truly is exactly that. That mm-hmm. imagine as an adult waking up and someone saying, "Hey, I have good news. I'm going to tell you what to do with your whole day." Like, right. We we would hate that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I think kids are the same. And so what a what a, tr- a tragedy, right? That the thing that you love, a Karasu, was was taken away from you. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully you have found the ability to uh, to get that back in to your schedule. And um, so, um, you know, so we have a lot of parents who say, but I'm just not creative. What do you have to say to that? (laughs) I honestly, my response to that is so simple. And uh, I don't believe them. Uh, I think that <laughs> I think that oftentimes our, our view or our perspective of creativity is so narrow. Oh. And we look and we say like, hmm. oh, an artist is creative or a musician is creative or an mm. actor or actress is creative. And I think that that lens is so narrow uh, mm-hmm. when if we look at the broader definition of, of creativity and being creative, yeah. uh, it is participating in the act of creation. And so whether you are creating a social setting for your friends or you're creating a garden or you're creating uh, anything that we can even think of, right? That mm-hmm. um, 
is is when we expand that definition of creation, uh, all of us, all of us find meaning when we participate in the act of creation. And yeah. and so for those of you that are out there and you feel like, well, I'm not an artist, so I'm not creative. You got to mm. stop believing that because you have other gifts. That is that so true. When you yes. implement them, you're you're a masterful creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. To think outside what we consider the arts as mm-hmm. only creative and going into, yeah, any kind of hobby is usually a creative outlet, whether it's cooking or gardening, like you were talking about. Um, Do you have any particular ways that you like to to use your creativity? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I use the example of a social setting because one of my very favorite things is just to gather people. And I love, so even, I mean, it's a little silly, but in a couple of weeks, my wife and I were getting some friends over to do uh, gingerbread houses. So we're just doing oh, a fun. We're just yeah. doing a party. Uh, but for me, it's, it's a beautiful demonstration of creativity when you get to mm. create a setting where people can come in and they feel comfortable, they feel safe, and they can make friends. Uh-huh. Uh, that to me is uh-huh. uh, one, of, one of the ways that I most enjoy uh, being creative. That's awesome. That is so out of the box of what we would often think of as creativity. And but but yes, that that is so true. And, you know, for our more engineering types, I mean, my my son and and his creativity extended to uh, welding. (laughs) But now his job is he actually designs 3D images that get put into people's heads. Um, So it's he's a medical device engineer and he designs plates that go into jaws and facial pieces and heads. <laughs> it's awesome. pretty crazy. But I mean, he would tell, even, he even tell you, well, I'm not that creative, but truly <laughs> he is. And yeah, I mean, so. <laughs> be right. Like he's literally creating things that impact the life and the life value of, mm-hmm. of hundreds, thousands of people. I mean, that's right. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like you said, it's, it's so, we have to stop thinking music, art, you know, all of these things, and that's the only way that we can create. And, and sometimes right. we, yeah, we, it's just related to people or a, a subject or whatever we, it, again, it's back to that fun thing, I think, that we were talking about earlier. It's whatever we find joy in is yeah. where we create the most and and kind of linking those two together almost and yeah. finding that for our children as well. Yeah. I love that. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Very cool. All right. I think I have one more question here. Um, you know, we were going to talk a little bit on motivation and learning too. And I think we're coming back back to the beginning. I don't want to start too much on the challenges before the second half an hour, but um, can you share with us just a little bit how this creativity um, and building creativity into our day can motivate our students, even across the board, um, on things maybe they don't even enjoy as much? Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, just an example or two that I that I would share. So, with uh, the Startup Academy, um, when our when we work with kids that are really young, we we have creativity challenges, and and I won't jump into the challenges yet because we're going to talk about that in the second half. Uh, but with the older kids, uh, we work, uh, and that's when we start to help our teens learn how to create things that are are valuable. How do we how mm-hmm. to create extreme value for people and to an extent, and we're, we're hoping that we can help them start small businesses, right? And so yeah, yeah. We, we, we really believe in this model of setting up challenges that are gamified. And mm. what we do is we send out these kids uh, to, to go on these different challenges. And in one of the challenges that we do, uh, I'll just share because I, I do think yeah. that this is deeply tied to that motivation. Yeah. No, this will be a good bridge. Um. Yeah. So we, uh, the very first thing that we do with these kids is we send them out to play a game of bigger or better. And so if you're not familiar with the game, it's really mm-hmm. simple. We give uh, the kids a rock, just like a little piece of gravel. Oh, I do know what you're talking about. But yes, no, explain it. Yes. It no value. Okay. Right. So then the kids, we tell them to go out and what you do is you knock on doors and you ask the person who opens
to the door, you say, do you have anything bigger or better than this pebble and this rock? And, you know, typically they'll get a pen or a piece of paper or something else that also right. doesn't have much uh-huh. value, but it's bigger and it's better. Mm-hmm. Right. And then what happens is, is over time, the kids end up coming back with something that's quite remarkable. Yes. So <laughs> a few, a few uh, that I'll share, uh, yes. one individual, he, this was back when iPhone 9 was the newest mm-hmm. and the nicest gadget around. And, and he went out in, in only three trades. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. In three trades, he traded for an iPhone 6. Wow. And he sold that iPhone 6 for $600 um, from a rock. And he, another example is uh, this was actually the most that I've ever seen. Uh, she, this was a young lady who went out trading and trading until she got a motorcycle trailer. This is a full size trailer that you wow. are. Um, <laughs> And she didn't want the motorcycle trailer, but she also thought she'd get something a little bit better, right? Like she mm-hmm. had traded so many times that she was like, oh my gosh, I can do this. And so she posted it on KSL or, or Craigslist mm-hmm. and uh, not for sale, but for a trade. Okay. And her parents had wanted a cement pad in their backyard for some time. Huh. And so she ended up trading with a cement laying company for a cement pad in her parents' backyard that was valued at $10,000. Wow. And that is crazy, right? Uh-huh. One week earlier, <laughs> she had a rock. Yeah. And and the reason that I tell these stories in relation to, to motivation mm-hmm. is what we try to do in a gamified and in a challenge way is we try to help kids see how much they're capable of. Yeah. Even when they start with something right. that's actually worthless. Mm-hmm. The thing that was valuable is that they were willing to go and knock on some doors. Yes. They were the value. Uh-huh. And so uh, young people especially, right, they, they understand uh, principles and lessons when they come in the form of games and, and challenges mm-hmm. and, and creativity uh, or sorry, in creative methods like mm-hmm. that, that they're able to see my work earned me this. Yeah. And it's similar to a game, right? Like if the kid is playing capture the flag, they're able to see like my running equaled we won. And yeah. it's that same process that they're able to see, okay, like if I, if I play hard, then I win big. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a huge motivator for kids. Absolutely huge yeah. where we're mm-hmm. not just talking about getting a letter on a paper. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is what beautiful thing can you create today and, and what type of value can you bring into your life? And those examples I shared, the value they brought in was like literally money. Uh, right. But it's not, always, it's not always money, but a lot of yeah. the time, the value they bring into their life. Let's say your kids are higher achievers because when <laughs> we did this in youth group years ago, I think the biggest thing somebody brought back, well, there was a time limit, you know, we had like a half yeah. an hour. Somebody brought back a toilet. I think it was the best <laughs> they could do, but you know... <laughs> That's pretty good. And in those kids' defense, yeah, we give our kids a full week. So oh, yeah. it, it is a little so, bit different of a game. But, but, but yeah. that then challenges them to think very wisely about where their, their next door is going to be, um, you know, and what they're going to say. And, and so, yeah, they, they can add so many other things in there with that time. Absolutely. And this is where the adult comes into when, when we're thinking correctly, we can come into play where we can show mm-hmm. them great examples. And so uh, once the kids have gone for an hour or two and they might be tempted to stop because say they have something that they could sell on eBay for $100 or so, let's say. Yeah. Um, then we'll show them a video of people who actually play this game until they have a house. They will just wow. like trade and trade and trade and trade until they have a home. And mm. so then we just like, we just hold the curiosity out there of like, okay, you've done great, but Mm-hmm. Some people do a lot better. Like, do you yeah. do you want to keep playing? Uh-huh. And you know, we kind of dangle that in front of them. And <laughs> That's good. <laughs> don't, but it uh, the motivation is is more internal at that point, where it's like, well, of course, I want to keep playing the game mm-hmm. rather than like us trying to like drag them into something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that is a really good bridge into us talking about challenges and the the second half an hour um, and just why that that creativity is is important, but also how we can look at it differently instead of just how do I I set up creative environments, but but 
also just helping our children with that creative process and walking through that. So, um, so this, this has been great, Travis. So I'm going to give you a quick break and then we're going to hear from our sponsor, Right Shop, and I'll bring you back. And, um, so everybody else that's um, listening, uh, stay tuned and, um, we will hear from Right Shop right now. So I just want to thank Right Shop for sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. And I'm going to bring up their placement test. I don't know if you know that you can um, take a placement test on their website if you are thinking about using their curriculum or wondering how it works. Um, you can go to their their website. But um, they ask, how are homeschooling writing lessons going for you lately? Are there tears of frustration or long minutes staring at a blank piece of paper because I don't know what to write about? Well, here's the solution. Write shop curriculum. Finally, a writing program that understands the challenges of teaching writing. Write shop has op- options for kindergarten all the way through high school with engaging step-by-step lessons. Write shop gives students the necessary building blocks of the writing process so there's zero frustration. And Write Shop not only teaches kids how to write, it shows you how to teach. You'll learn to guide them through the writing process and inspire even the most reluctant writers. Parents rave about the results. Sherry in Florida says, I'm so pleased with Write Shop. My eighth grader, who was lukewarm about writing and really didn't write too well, is blossoming. Haley in California says, Thank you very much for creating Write Shop. It's been a pleasure to teach this curriculum and the results are phenomenal. Our son went from hating writing to asking for more. Visit writeshop.com to take the placement test and find out which level best suits your child, teen or tween. With Write Shop, teaching writing has never been easier. And we hear that a lot from our parents. So you definitely want to check them out if um, you're considering a writing program and don't know where to go. So um, we're going to bring Travis back, but I want to thank Right Shop for, again, sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. And we are going to continue our discussion about how to use challenges and creativity to, um, to help your, your students increase their success. Um, and it, both of those, well, at least the challenges, they don't seem like they're going to increase any success because when we talk about challenges with our kids, we're probably, you're usually saying, my child is so challenging. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I think we as parents need to flip it too and see that these challenges um, often push us to be more creative um, with how we teach our kids. And I used to say I wasn't creative too, Travis, you know, that, that whole thing of I'm, I'm just the engineer. I don't know how to do anything. And, you know, now I actually give a talk, an hour long talk on all the creative things that I've done in my 19 years of homeschooling because I was forced to do it for my children. And now I I look back and go, wow, (laughs) I can be creative. And, you know, I, that process has forced me into those places and I'm so thankful. And so, yeah, just a, a challenge out there for other parents who say they're not creative. Um, this process yeah. of homeschooling will make you that way. <laughs> and such a beautiful thing just to know, like the whether that was by necessity or fun, I think at its core, uh, that creativity spawned because you love your kids. And right. exactly. that is so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You just don't want yeah. to see them them struggling or you want to see them improving in areas where they're really good and you don't want them held back. So, you know, they may be reading at only certain level, but why can't they do something at a college level that they really excel in and, and just run with it. Um, But we have to get beyond that mindset of this is the grade my child is in. This is what they need to be taught. And that's a whole nother episode. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait for it because you just got my wheels turning big time. <laughs> well, my, my son didn't read. My oldest son didn't read until he was 12. And we were doing mechanical engineering before he was reading because wow. I just couldn't hold him back. And well, now he's an engineer. It's not surprising. <laughs> but so beautiful, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that what a what an impressive thing. And, and not everyone or perhaps they are, but most of us, right? We don't, we're not three-year-olds who are passionate about mechanical engineering. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of kids that just need to explore and yeah. try a whole bunch of things and you need to be okay with them putting it down too and going on to something else. 
Yes. Um, I think we hold on to it. It's like, we, you know, we have this child learn to what, maybe play the violin and they do it incredibly well. And then we like, oh, they're going to be this great violinist. And we like label them. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, absolutely. I even think it's sort of silly uh, when we ask little kids what they want to be when they grow up. Yes. I mean, like, they don't even know what that means. You right. know, it's mm-hmm. such a wild question. Uh, but the the beautiful thing that I, I think we do see is is when we let our kids play and, and kids are the best mm-hmm. at playing. Yes. Uh, they so often will role play adult mm-hmm. roles, right? The first yeah. they'll be moms and dads and, mm-hmm. and then they'll be firefighters and they'll be astronauts and, and right. teachers and right they, they start to mm-hmm. explore that way. Right. But always through a version of, of playing and exploring and, and creatively uh, picking around in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's always so fun to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. And encourage it and to allow them to, uh, yeah, I, I grew up with a very engineering mindset dad who, you know, mm. who gave me that question. And unfortunately that pressure mm. that you, you feel and, and also that, well, this is what you're good at. So this is what you should do, you know? And it's like, well, Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But- I, I think interestingly enough, right, beyond kids and even growing into high school and, and even college, uh, there's this intense pressure. And you mentioned at the beginning of the show when you're graduating college to pick the thing that you're going to do for the next 60 years. Right. And that is like, that is the most overwhelming uh, prospect. To, mm-hmm. to be expected to know that. And, and I think fortunately our culture around learning and around education and careers is shifting to it a is. place where yes. uh, we're, we're allowed to explore like, what do you want to do next rather than mm. what do you want to do the rest of your life? Right, because it's changing. You know, so many careers that our children will have don't even exist yet. So how yeah. can we prepare them for what we don't even know other than teaching them how to learn and teaching them how to be creative and and be able to fill in those places where nobody's done anything before, you know. That, yeah. And so I love that you focus on this because we we can go through all the curriculum, we can do everything right um, by the educational standards, and we can still produce a student into adulthood that has no idea what to do with themselves. Right. Absolutely agree. Um, So um, we're going to talk a little bit about challenges now. And I've heard that it's best not to make something too easy because a child will get bored, but also to not make it so that it's so beyond their ability that they're going to give up. And so almost like this sweet spot. Um, Do you have any advice for parents who are trying, especially with a student who has struggled that tends to give up more often on how to to determine what is a good challenge and then how to increase those challenges when it's appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this, I was actually really excited to chat about this. I want to uh, dip back into my experience with uh, the Acton School Network. Mm. Uh, so they use two frameworks that I think are phenomenal, and I'd love to I'd love to share them with you. The first being, um, it's a discussion that we have with the kids every year, and we bring a a cup full of rubber bands and we hand a rubber band to each and every kid. And we talk about how rubber bands are built to be stretched. Mm. But what happens if you stretch the rubber band too far? Sometimes it'll break and it'll snap. Right. And and even if it doesn't snap, it, it gets hard to stretch it too far. And you have mm-hmm. to really start using your muscle to hold it. Uh, and that's not good. We don't want to feel at that tension. And mm-hmm. what happens if we don't stretch rubber band? Well, then the rubber band's actually not doing what it was designed to do. It was designed to stretch. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's a very a physical example that, that kids can then hold. And because we prime them with that conversation uh, mm-hmm. after, you know, if they're going through something difficult or we give them a, an experience that, that they find to be very challenging, uh, they can actually mm-hmm. show you with their rubber band. Like it was, oh. it was this hard for me. Yeah. And if they show you it was that. that hard for them, then we have to start wondering how can we tone it back? Right. So it was only this hard you know, mm-hmm. and if they're right. bored, then they'll be able to show you those dangles <laughs> and like that wasn't anything, you know, right. They don't, they don't even have to be verbal to be able to do that. Right. 
And so mm-hmm. depending, especially depending on the capacity of your child, this is a really beautiful, uh, a very beautiful visual for them to be able yes. to then demonstrate to you. Like, mm-hmm. this is how hard it is. And this is how much I feel like I'm stretching into mm-hmm. the point where I'm uncomfortable. Uh, right then, we obviously don't want that, but it's a very clear communication that both parties understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really, really love the the rubber band uh, yeah. demonstration. I think every parent who's listening to this podcast is going to have rubber band in their, their schools <laughs> starting next week. <laughs> it, it genuinely it works. And, and if you if you prime it in the right way and you introduce it to them, and the mm-hmm. best way, right, is, is to be vulnerable and, and to talk about like, when I have to do X, Y, or Z, like, oh, I feel yeah. like this sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then you can ask them like, when's the time when you felt like this and, and have that type of conversation that can be really vulnerable and really beautiful. Yeah. And it just opens up that dialogue, uh, for the future. Mm-hmm. And, uh, another, another framework that I think is so beautiful. This one is less, uh, visually demonstrative. Um, mm-hmm. but what we, another thing that we would do is we would draw a donut on the wall and we would have three different zones. So if you're inside the circle, it's called your comfort zone. If okay. you're inside the donut, you are in your challenge zone. And if mm. you're outside of the donut, then you're in your panic zone. Ah, okay. And so similarly enough, right, we would like show this image of a donut. And on that day, we might have donuts for breakfast because mm-hmm. delicious. <laughs> and we... Uh, but then once you uh, establish that framework as well, then mm-hmm. it beca- can become a safe and open conversation to say like, okay, like what part of the donut are you in today? Right. Did that make yeah. you feel like in your panic zone? Mm-hmm. And sometimes as an adult, it's, it's obvious, right? Because they might actually have a panic attack or they're getting nervous or they're right. just shutting down and walking away or whatever mm-hmm. it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, right. The reality is, is they're probably just a little overloaded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I've seen, uh, and, and especially in, in that setting where we really focused on these frameworks, was it's so powerful to set up verbiage that both the child and the adult are are fluent in. Right. So whether it's yes. the rubber band yeah. or it's the donut hole, mm-hmm. I'm really being able to communicate clearly, child to adult. Mm-hmm. Are we overwhelmed? Right. And, and that way we can find the level of stretch that they're comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it doesn't require a lot of words. And, right. and so it, it's just very quick and easy and you can, you can come to that, that understanding without a whole lot of excess conversation. Cause a lot of times when kids are in panic mode, that that's something you don't even want to, to bridge that. <laughs> yeah. They're just, you know, I could even see making that outside area like red and then like blue and, you know, some other color in the middle and just giving kids those three colors and saying, you know, which color, where are you at? Where, what color are you at too for, for kids that are a little less verbal? I love that. I love that idea. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes it really is. I would, uh, there would be days and, and this was interesting. So uh, we had, I worked with an individual and she, she was on the spectrum and uh, there, there were days where, um, we, she had set the goal because our goal was to get some math done every day and, and we used mm-hmm. Khan Academy, right? And so okay. yep. um, she set her own goals, but for her, it was so stressful to plan out more than one day at a time, mm-hmm. which, which for me typically is like, oh, well, it would be wiser. Let's get a full week or let's get a full right. month. Let's understand a bigger picture. Uh, but for her, that actually made her enter into a panic zone. Mm. And, and so understanding that, right. And understanding, being able to communicate about that, um, right. yeah. even though it was in my mind, it wasn't as good of a practice to only plan one day at a time, mm-hmm. uh, for her, that kept her in a challenge zone. And, and fascinating enough, she got her math done every single day mm. when it was that way, because she wasn't panicked and she wasn't worried. Uh, yeah. and so, yeah, being aware of, of where their panic versus challenges is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so important. <laughs> it's yeah, the difference yeah. between meltdown and, and success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're learning about themselves too. And and yeah, we, unfortunately, we, we tried to, again, fit all of these kids into, well, here's your student planner and this is how it should look. And so I love that you brought that up because not every child and even, you know, into adulthood, they're going to need to know this about right. themselves because this is what helps them be successful, not being like everybody else, but knowing right. where that that challenge zone is for them. 
and, and being able to verbalize it to other people. And and so that, that just teaches them how to advocate for themselves. And we talk a lot about that in our community, but mm. I, I think we we sometimes put boundaries on where they can advocate and where they shouldn't just because it's socially acceptable. Mm. And we forget that there's a child and a, you know a person involved here who is unique. And yeah. we need to establish that on a person-by-person basis. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, awesome. Well, I love that. So um, what are some activities that lend themselves well to introducing children to challenges um, that they may be more willing to dive into than like run away from? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so this is where I would love just for a moment to talk about the power of gamification. Yes, Please do. So uh, there is so much power in in gamifying. And so the definition of gamifying mm-hmm. is uh, setting a game-like tone and rules of a game to something that's not typically a game. Okay. So I, I want to give an example. So mm-hmm. um, I, I was learning a lot about gamification uh, last summer, and I was actually clearing a field, uh, preparing it for grass. And so seriously, what it looked like is we were walking row by row and just picking up rocks putting them in a wheelbarrow and uh-huh. them. and if you've ever had the job to pick rocks out of a field not fun it's not fun <laughs> and i was doing it and there i was me and there was a 14 year old and a 12 year old they were both oh, boys wow. and and all three of us i mean none of us were having fun we're sort of dragging our feet in the dirt and mm-hmm. And I, because I was learning about gamification, I seriously kind of light bulb moment was like, uh-huh. I wonder if we could turn this into a game. I wonder if it would work uh-huh. even in something that is kind of miserable. I mean, it was hot. Right. Stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and so we're walking down these rows and I turned to the two boys and, and they actually were brothers. And I said, I tell you what, I bet you two that I can pick up more rocks out of my line than you two can pick out of your line. And they're like, bet you can't. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll see who wins. And here's the kicker is we're going to set a timer for five minutes. Are you ready? They're ready, Uh set, go. And so then all of a sudden, it was like this insane race to pick up rocks. Right. And the amazing part was, is that we picked up more rocks than we would have picked up had it not been a game. Right. The second amazing thing is that the 12-year-old asked if we could play again. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that, right, like that's insane. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. And so the the premise of this gamification process, there's five steps. And and the five steps are all so insanely important. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we should do another episode sometime yeah. entirely yeah. <laughs> on gamification. Uh, but step one is peaking curiosity. So mm-hmm. that's it. The example I just shared was a really um, simplistic example, but we'll roll with it anyways. Yeah. And so just the the peaking of the curiosity to say, I bet I can do more of this than you, right? We, we right. peak curiosity with yep, the kids, yeah. mm-hmm. kind of start bringing them in a little bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then we, we gamify. And so um, in another setting, like let's say we're talking about math, Mm-hmm. Where we we pique curiosity by maybe we show them skyscrapers and we we show them the different dimensions that are used and, and somehow like there's this overhanging piece of the skyscraper and we ask the question like how isn't that building falling over mm-hmm. right we pique mm-hmm. the curiosity and then when we gamify then it's like okay let's set a time limit and let's say who can figure that out first. All of a sudden, it's fun. It's like a how-to trivia game. Right, yeah. And then we set clear rules for the game. This is step three. So after we put it into a game, we set clear rules. All good games have good Mm -hmm. rules. Right. Uh, If you're playing Capture the Flag, there's a middle line. And if you Mm -hmm. can't go out of bounds, right, all the things. Right. For us, gamifying in our education, we also have to set clear rules. We set boundaries. We set limitations. And we set this tight structure because mm-hmm. again, good games have good rules and kids know that. Yeah. And so when mm-hmm. they hear the rules to the game in their brains, it's like, oh my gosh, what a game. This right. is fantastic, right? Yeah. Huh. Uh, number four is we allow autonomy. Mm-hmm. We let them still be their own person. So while we were picking up rocks, there's no coaching from me, the leader. There's mm-hmm. no coaching saying like, oh, this would be better. That would be more effective. Right. We're, yep. no. we're just mm-hmm. playing a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
a really solid example I have of this is mm-hmm. I did an activity with with teenagers where they were in charge of uh, it was like the Amazing Race, and so we okay. picked yeah. fifty def, uh, destinations in downtown Salt Lake City, and mm-hmm. they had two hours, and we wow. said, okay you have to get to as many of these as possible. They had time to map it out and learn where they mm-hmm. wanted to go. And I told them that I would be with them to, to keep them safe, mm-hmm. uh, but that I wouldn't say a word. I wouldn't mm-hmm. guide them. I wouldn't lead them. And it was fascinating how difficult, like this step I think is the most difficult, this allow autonomy piece. Yes. Because there I am. I also know, right? I created this scavenger hunt. So uh-huh. I know it's on the list. And we're like running past things that we should have stopped at. And we're getting on buses, but we're going the wrong direction. Like we would step north. And and like as the adult, it's almost impossible to keep your mouth shut in those situations. Wow. It is so Mm -hmm. hard. And that's a fun example. It gets even harder when like uh, the the kids are being uh, maybe a little obnoxious or like Mm -hmm. maybe they're being a little bit rambunctious. That's when it's really hard to allow autonomy. Or maybe when they set a goal to get their math done by 10 a.m. and they haven't started yet. Like exactly. That, that's not a fun example. That's when mm-hmm. you start to feel frustrated and right. you're trying to figure it out. But trust me on this one, allow for them mm-hmm. to have autonomy. Yeah. Uh, but this is where step five comes into play. And step five is the step that we so frequently forget. And that is debrief and reflection. Ah, yes. um, someone much smarter than yeah. me once said that learning doesn't happen during an activity. Learning happens as we reflect. Yes, that is so true. And so what can happen then is we're debriefing, whether it's the math that didn't get done or, or them mm-hmm. choosing not to complete a goal or they're getting on buses going the wrong way, right? Whatever yeah. the example yep. is, mm-hmm. that we can debrief and be a genuine curious learner and let mm-hmm. them be the teachers. And we say, okay, so like what went well and what what didn't go so well? Uh-huh. And they can be the ones to tell us, right? So if they had the mm-hmm. math goal at 10 a.m., mm-hmm. let it roll around to lunchtime and say, oh my gosh, like what went well this morning? What did Thank you for saying that. Because yeah. yes, yes. Parents yeah. need to hear that. <laughs> well, I think it's so important. And then, and then hopefully as the parent with the child, you've already had the conversation mm-hmm. where it's like, when you've gotten math done, then we move to whatever that we get right. to do during the day. It's so fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then like, if it rolls around to be lunch and it's such a bummer that we can't do the fun thing, like I'm just as bummed as the kid is because we didn't meet our goals this morning. Right. It's such a huge bummer. And then mm-hmm. we get to let them teach us like why that didn't happen the way we expected and how maybe yes. we can do it differently tomorrow. And all of a sudden we're giving total control, total uh, power and mm-hmm. ownership. That's what I'm looking for. That, that, really yeah. Total mm-hmm. ownership to the young people, to the kids, uh, to be able to, to glean learning from their own experience. Right. Right. But that pulls us back into that, that creativity we were talking about in the first half too, is they can be creative on how to find a solution that works for them. My daughter now sits three alarms for herself when she has to wake up because that's only the only thing that she, but she's learned it by missing things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I couldn't tell her get out of bed when the first alarm goes off because it doesn't work for her, <laughs> but three, I guess does. <laughs> yeah. But, but crazy because had you told her to set three alarms, yeah. she probably would have said like, you're crazy. I would have rolled and yeah, said, yeah, yeah the eye yeah. rolled. Probably. <laughs> Um, yeah. But because she learned it from experience and she she got to reflect on her own life, uh, she found that that was what was best for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and our, our kids just do that. And and so being yeah. willing to to keep our mouth shut, like you said, yeah. and, and allow that reflection to happen afterwards. Because when you're in the heat of moment of something, they feel bad about it too. Right. And us kind of jumping on them and saying, but didn't you see that? Or, you know, didn't, why didn't you do this? It, it is not a teachable moment. <laughs> no. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And so those last two pieces, right, of letting them be autonomous and debriefing, they have to go together. Like they have to be mm-hmm. free to make their own choices. But then so frequently as adults, we like, we expect like, oh, they didn't get their work done. They'll learn from it. But they're, they're, no. they don't have experience no. in the world. Uh-huh. They don't know. It's like we right. have to enter and we have to debrief with them 
And the mm-hmm. less emotional we can be in those debriefs, yes. the more just like third so party bystander, mm-hmm. hey, I want to learn from you, help me learn what went well, what didn't. Yep. Your kids yep. will learn and adapt. It, it's incredible. Mm, that is such good advice. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're just about out of time and I would love for you to talk a little bit about um, how families can learn about your clubs and get involved in those. Yes, thank you so much. So our clubs, uh, I, I think they're so much fun. So with our uh, youngest group, it's called the Creativity Club. And what we do is we help families. So we'll actually send you a package of 10 creativity challenges cool. that you not only participate with your family, but you're participating simultaneously with families across the country. Mm. And so you, mm-hmm. we, we package challenges for your kids where they open them up, it's almost like Christmas, right? They're opening a gift cool. and they open uh-huh. it up and the challenge is revealed to them. And then we we share uh, the kids who are being extra creative and, and blowing it up. And then our others is the start our other club is the startup club where where kids again learn how to create value and, and we move mm-hmm. into starting businesses. Both of those clubs you can find us at startupacademyclubs.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram under the Startup Academy. And and we are starting new sessions in January. And so we would love to have you. Uh, again, it's a ton of fun. And so if you have any questions, please, please reach out to me. Yeah. And I'll make sure that I get that link in the feed of the YouTube um, video so that you can um, click on that as well as the podcast when that that comes out, that'll be in there too. So okay. you can Thanks just click so on it easily and go there instead of trying to figure out how to spell. <laughs> it's a pretty straightforward one. I know that our, our guest last week had had a like a Z instead of an S in one place. And so that was like, okay, I have to spell it out for you if you're listening because it's not spelled like you think it is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll make it easy for you so that um, you can find those. Well, thank you so much, Travis. This has been... It has been an incredible conversation. I just want to thank you for opening our our understanding up to uh, maybe some different ways to reach our kids. And hey, it's been a huge pleasure uh, for me. It's been a gift for me to be here with you. So thank you. And and I hope you'll make a return appearance. This has been so much yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely be talking about that gamification. I'll see how we can fit that in our schedule next year, okay. <laughs> for sure. So um, so yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do that. So um, and thank you all for, um, for joining us on um, this episode. Um, and... We just love that our audience, we actually sent out to all of the people that are, um, that follow our, or get our newsletter, we send out a thank you um, letter today. So if you didn't get that, make sure you subscribe to our, our newsletter and you'll you'll actually be able to see that as well as past newsletters. Um, if you go to our website at spedhomeschool.com. And um, I also want to thank our sponsors at Right Shop for um, sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. If you, um, again, want to learn anything about them, you can check them out at rightshop.com. And so next week, we are wrapping up this topic, and we are going to be talking to Jen Meyer about pacing homeschool to meet the needs of your child and your business. So if you run a business, and I know a lot of you moms do, um, how do you do that? And she is she is really good. She actually runs an org, or a, a Facebook group called Homeschool uh, CEO and um, gives a lot of advice to, to moms out there on how to run their businesses and homeschool their kids. And she has some struggling learners too. So, um, so yeah, but um, let's see. I was going to say a couple more things and I'm pulling up the wrong thing here. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so anyways, but thank you again, Travis. Um, this has been, I hope, inspiring for many parents to, to think up and, and maybe think up think and change up um, what they're doing um, to be able to, to help their students in um, some of the areas that, like I said, they may be approaching them with uh, more of a traditional mentality of let's just get this core stuff done and then we will add in the creative stuff later. But um, I hope that they really listened to what you had to share because um, if they did, they're going to be inspired. 
So yeah. hey, thank you. And and if they're listening to to your show, I'm sure that they're they've already been inspired a bunch, Peggy. It's it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you all next week. Have a great Thanksgiving. Also know that next Tuesday I'm gonna be live almost all day. It's Giving Tuesday and we have a uh, end of the year um, campaign called Empowering Transformations because that's what we do at Sped Homeschool is we empower transformations in families and um, we want to make you empowered to homeschool your struggling learner. So um, so check that out on our website and um, join us next Tuesday all day. We're going to be highlighting some different areas that we, um, of, you're going to kind of see the back back behind the scenes of what we do with my team. And we're also going to be talking to um, Steve Demi, who is the chairman of our board. Because um, we're kicking off, we're having our first family camp next year. And I'm so excited. It's in partnership with Johnny and Friends Ministry. And so you'll want to hear more about that and, and join us. And those lives will be on YouTube as well as Facebook. So, so thanks, everybody. Again, thanks, Travis. And um, we'll see you all same place an hour later next, next week. But um, uh, just right here on Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Bye, everybody. See you guys. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.